Hey listeners, I hope you enjoy this episode of our On the Pulse podcast. Consistently ranked as one of the best healthcare jobs, nurse practitioners have provided primary and specialty care to patients across the lifespan for more than 50 years. NPs are in high demand, now more than ever, due to the shortage of primary care physicians. Is this the next step in your career? Visit nursing.jhu.edu slash on the pulse to discover the perfect fit to advance your nursing career. Hi, I'm Tamar Rodney, and you're listening to On the Pulse, a podcast from the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. On this podcast, we take a deep dive into the experiences of frontline providers and researchers. We explore their insights and invaluable stories of how healthcare works in today's world. This episode is being recorded on March 14th, 2022 as our world is witnessing the largest European invasion since World War II. The invasion of Ukraine by Russia continues to unfold, and many people in both countries and the surrounding nations are caught in an escalating crisis and are seeking refuge. Today's guest is going to help us unpack this a bit and understand the importance of nursing in a time like this. Joining us today is Dr. Nancy Reynolds. Professor and Associate Dean of Global Affairs at the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. Dr. Reynolds has a wealth of experience in international nursing. She is the Director of the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing Center for Global Initiatives and Director of the WHO Collaborating Center for Nursing Information, Knowledge and Management. She's also the Secretary General for the Global Network of the WHO Collaborating Centers of Nursing and Midwifery. She was a member of the WHO Steering Committee for the inaugural State of the World's Nursing Report and is a member of the Board of Consortium of Universities in Global Health. Throughout her career, Dr. Reynolds has provided leadership to global health projects sponsored by NIH, USAID, the Clinton Foundation, World Bank, Chapaigo, Fogarty, and others. Nancy, thank you so much for being here. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Many around the world are in crisis, and especially during these times, we know that this is when nursing is most often needed. So to set the stage for us, what do we currently know about the situation in Ukraine, and what exactly do hospitals look like or care on the ground looks like? Well, as I'm sure you and everyone listening to this knows, you know, we're continuing to see an escalation of attacks on Ukraine cities. And most recently, there has been an increase in action around Kyiv with um, reports of an attack on an apartment building in the suburbs of Kyiv. And the United Nations uh, reports that there are 2.8 million people who have been forced to flee from Ukraine. And half of these have arrived in Poland. Countries continue to receive a steady stream of refugees, uh, including uh, Hungary, Slovakia, Moldova, Romania, and Belarus. And the UN said an additional 2 million people have been uh, internally displaced by, by the war. So, you know, the humanitarian crisis triggered by the Russian invasion of Ukraine, as you mentioned, is really the worst in Europe that we've seen since World War II. And uh, nurses, doctors, and other healthcare providers on the ground have really shown um, remarkable dedication and bravery. Uh, when the invasion started, many of these healthcare providers helped move patients to basement for safety 
but then stayed there with them for at least a week, stayed in the basement providing care without any uh, relief. And given the communication challenges, it's been difficult to verify, but um, reports are showing, um, such as late last week, that hospitals had been among the, the targets. And we saw visuals of a maternity hospital that had been hit with uh, many uh, civilian casualties. It certainly is a difficult time, but um, maybe one of the better roles in healthcare is being a nurse because we have an understanding of what is needed. Um, so there's a lot that we do know, but there's a lot that we still don't know. Um, and for many of our listeners, they may not know this, but the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing has a partnership with the Ukrainian American Concordia University in Kiev. What have our partners there told us about the current situation? Well, you know, it's really hard to find words that are really adequate to um, express the scope of tragedy and demand that people are undergoing who live in Ukraine, where just a few weeks ago, life was normal for them, and we were planning normal activities, and then to, to, to all of a sudden be confronting this um, scope of disaster hard to appreciate. And what we're certainly uh, hearing from our partners, which I hadn't heard from them for a few days, and then was relieved to finally hear from them is that, you know, it's just an inordinate humanitarian crisis there. And yet, despite that, there's also an impressive unity among the residents of Ukraine that they are doing everything they can to work together to support each other and to uh, fight the invasion. Well, um, the work continues. And one of the phrases that I often hear in times like this, and sadly we're hearing it again, is refugee nursing. Um, what exactly is refugee nursing? And is there even such a thing? And mm -hmm. how might that look like? Sure, sure. Well, there is a term, uh, refugee nursing. And um, as it most often is used, as it refers to care that's uh, provided by nurses to refugees. And refugee health is really relevant, um, not only to nurses working directly with those you know, impacted by um, conflict and who have been displaced, but also those working in healthcare really around the globe because nurses everywhere now are likely to have contact with people of refugee-like backgrounds. And obviously we're seeing this acute situation in Ukraine, but this is also, we have many refugees and other from other countries as well. And I think the term really could also be used to refer to nurses who are displaced and there are nurses who themselves are refugees. And of course they, um, face the same challenges as any other refugees, but professionally, many will you know, start living in a new country, but they themselves may have difficulty being able to work as a nurse because of the different um, laws and that they may not be registered to work in, in their new country. So they may be, you know, they've been forcefully displaced and then they um, can't even practice their um, profession. I'm so happy you said that because very, very frequently, we think of refugees as just the individuals who are directly impacted, and we very infrequently think about the nurses who might be going to those areas as refugees, like you said, you know, working in different areas that is not your home as well. So thank you for explaining that. 
So recently we held a collaborative webinar with the Ukrainian America Concordia University in Kiev on COVID-19 and mental health, and it was entitled Response and Management. And most recently we've been also planning a video series on how to stay calm in times of crisis. Right now it is very applicable. And what would be some of those themes that were discussed and how might we use some of those themes or some of those discussions today? Sure. Well, you know, one of the themes that really uh, came out of the COVID-19 and mental health uh, webinar is just that we are seeing huge unmet mental health care needs. And in that situation, we were talking about it in the context of COVID. And honestly, this is something we were hearing from Ukraine, but we're hearing this from all over the world, huge unmet healthcare needs. And of course, now Ukraine is facing this acute uh, crisis. And I think what really came out in our prior webinar and what we're really thinking about in our planning for this next webinar is, you know, just um, for any disaster, there's enormous psychological demand and there's sort of phases of this, but even when the acute threat is removed, there can be many long-term consequences. So I think when we're thinking about, you know, how can we support the mental health uh, of, of people during crises that we have to be thinking about the acute moment, but also the long-term. One of the speakers at the um, mental health and COVID uh, webinar um, talked about psychological toxicity and talked about their sort of different levels of how toxic a situation is psychologically. And he mentioned that there's sort of a, um, a, a uh, measure that sort of how toxic a situation is, is a measure of how lethal the situation is, times how chronic it is, times how much ambiguity there is about the situation, and then it's buffered by resilience. But certainly in Ukraine, you know, we're seeing a very lethal um, event here now. It's becoming increasingly chronic. We would have hoped this may have been resolved, but now it's, we're into this for three weeks, plus so much ambiguity. And I think for any, and Dr. Rodney, you can speak to this as a mental health provider probably uh, to a greater extent than I can, but certainly in my experience as a provider, understanding that uncertainty produces enormous um, psychological demand. But this is somewhat buffered then by, the res by resilience. And we think of resilience as sort of a buffer. And what one of our speakers at the um, prior webinar mentioned is we can really help to provide a buffer with um, enhancing it with empathy and psychological support. And if that's offered, you know, during an acute event, it can be helpful in terms of the long-term uh, consequences. And one of the speakers happened to mention this concept of psychological first aid, which is a evidence-based technique that's um, really used and it's intended to minimize the distress and negative behaviors that can increase fear and anxiety. And the primary objective is to provoke um, you know, calm and connectedness and empowerment and hope even in the, um, in the face of a trauma.
It's, it's incredibly important just to highlight the work that you're doing simply for the fact that you said, you know, we're going through phases. So whatever we can do to bolster their resilience is going to be incredibly useful. So, and you're right, this is but one phase of the mental health outcomes that is um, potentially going to get worse. Um, tell me, what does crisis tell us about global health? Well, I think, you know, you think about what, we here in the US who are very far removed from the Ukraine and yet we're all experiencing a lot of this psychological demand as well. And I think what we learn is that we are living in a very um, interconnected world and that health is not just a state of physical well-being, but it's mental and social well-being. So not just merely the absence of disease or infirmity, and really, um, global health is so important because it aims to improve worldwide health and access to health services and the quality of health care for all. And really, globally right now, you know, we've been contending with COVID, but there's so many other threats right now to our safety and well-being. And we're also seeing many, many growing um, inequities. So really, there are just so many demands, but global health is really about wanting us to look at this and work in partnership um, across countries to try to deal with some of these huge challenges. Nancy, we are nurses, and so we often put our nurses' hats on to think, but generally as people, as individuals, how can we help during this time? And what are some of the things that individuals would typically need when a country is at war or in crisis? Well, you know, we learned from crises such as the earthquake in Haiti that I think many times we want to, our impulse is to go to the scene and want to provide services or to send goods we have in our house. But I think we found that sometimes that can end up um, not being a well-coordinated response. And we've really... Um, learn that in some ways it's best to try to support um, individuals who are on the ground and really have the infrastructure to, to provide support to, to others. And probably one of the most practical things we can do is to uh, donate funds, even if it's not a lot, even small funds donating to people who are on the ground. I think we also can play a really important uh, role through um, advocacy. And for example, right now with the Ukraine situation, the International Council of Nurses has uh, kicked off a Nurses for Peace campaign and just making a statement with as many nurses signing this document saying we stand for peace and, and, uh, and ending, ending this uh, war in Ukraine. And I think we need to think long term, you know, from the situation in Ukraine, we're going to be seeing displaced persons for many years to come. And they're going to need a lot of support uh, to become reestablished if they're not able to return home. And this adjustment, you know, again, it's social, it's economic, it's psychological. This isn't going to end when the war hopefully ends soon. 
people's lives have been intensely disrupted. So I think there are things, ways that we can be just good citizens when there's a refugee in our backyard and understanding the inordinate uh, challenges that they're under. And there's some very, some very simple things we can do is, you know, helping to pick someone up from the airport or lending a kind hand. Again, it gets back to this psychological first aid of showing emotional support and empathy. It's a, is a very basic but very helpful thing. I, I like it when you put on that practical nurse hands that yes, there's multiple things we can do as individuals. And it's the conversation is not over. Obviously, the war is continuing, so there's more to come. And I hope our listeners will think about what they can do in the future as well. But Nancy, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and for having such a candid and important conversation about the current global situation and just how critical nurses and nursing is in this moment. Our thoughts are with our Ukrainian people, and we are committed to helping them in any way we can. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of On The Pulse. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone you know and subscribe through Apple, Stitcher, Google Play or Spotify. You can also find us on the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com slash nurse. Be sure to also check out our On The Pulse blog and Facebook live series. You can learn more about the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing at nursing.jhu.edu. Thanks for listening to this episode of On the Pulse. Healthcare models across the United States are rapidly shifting from models of volume to models of value, and clinical nurse specialists are well positioned to make these frontline evolutionary advances. At the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing, we offer multiple online tracks to specialize your clinical nurse specialist degree, including adult critical care, pediatric critical care, and adult gerontological health. The clinical nurse specialist tracks at the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing are designed for RNs with a BSN or entry-level MSN degree. Clinical nurse specialist champions safe, cost-effective, high-quality, and evidence-based health care. Visit nursing.jhu.edu slash on the pulse to see how you can become a CNS today.